This is CouncilCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next-level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. Hey, how's it going? My name is Daniel Steinberg. I'm the founder and CEO of Lawbroker, a pre-screening software for law firms to help qualify and disqualify consumers through mimicking consumer psychology and bridging the gap between everyday goods and services in the legal space. I'm super excited to be here with you, Karen, and speak about a little bit from marketing side of things. Yeah, I'm excited about this too because I think this is I don't I know this is something that people really think backwards about and so we're going to talk about marketing funnels and kind of how they just very broadly kind of how they work but then what people get wrong about it. And so the the topic and the title for today is how does positioning bring better leads? Because at the end of the day, we want the good leads, obviously, right? We don't want just like all the leads. We don't want everyone on the planet reaching out. We're not trying to be an influencer and have like millions of followers, right? Depends who you ask. Yeah. Oh, is that your goal? <laughs> to, to kind of maybe it's mine. Instagram. Maybe it, exactly. I don't know. We'll see. I wouldn't mind having millions of followers, but we can talk about that on a different episode. How to get there? Really? So yeah. No. Let's get into that though, because honestly, I feel like that's way more work, right? Like. I don't want millions of followers. Do you really want like people watching what you eat for lunch and like, you know, these are the socks I'm wearing and stuff. Do you kind of aspire to be at that level? Me personally, I don't foresee myself as a influencer across different social media platforms, but I understand the the version of some people that do that. And I think that being authentically yourself is important and that stems from building personal brands and legal brands and things like that. And obviously that's a piece of the topic of conversation today and positioning yourself. It's not for everyone. And I think remaining hyper-focused on what your true self is or true business is, is really important. If that, you know, sparks, sparks elsewhere, then that's great. But it's very dependent for sure. Yeah, I mean, I I take a look at my followers and I am constantly looking at like engagement rates and how many people are kind of in the audience that I want to be speaking to. And I don't necessarily look at growth rates in terms of just overall like follower count because honestly, I feel like that's just an ego exercise. You've got these vanity metrics. This is just like I'm just telling people how many followers I have because it sounds like I'm that makes me more important or something. But it doesn't really have anything to do with what works and the bottom line, right? No, absolutely. It's about it's about engagement. And I think we've started to see a little bit of that where companies are starting to invest advertising dollars into micro influencers versus influencers. And I think the core purpose of that is it's blasting a specific type of audience and a very highly engaged audience that's so hyper focused on that individual's brand. It's not about the count number. It's more about who's engaging, how they're engaging, how relevant and meaningful your content is and does that sort of a Line with that brand's mission. And I, I, I think we've seen that a lot over the past couple of years. 
let's talk about that for a minute because I, I am kind of swirling around the topic and I'm getting to where I, I know we both want to go with what the overall kind of core message is here. But this idea of a micro influencer where you've got someone who people really listen to in a very specific audience what's the goal there and why do you see brands moving towards that because I mean I know what my answer is for that and and why that just seems to make so much more sense I think it's more authentic if we think about even your users on council cast there's a specific audience that takes this into consideration consistently engages and listens to your podcast and they're more in line and in tune to what you're promoting what you're speaking to And again, that authentic brand messaging, when you think about the persona type of what you focus on, there's a specific persona that you bring forward onto your podcast. You screen out individuals to make sure that they're the right fit for your your podcast. I wish everyone could see what I had to go through to even talk to you. But, you know, it's, it's an important, it's important. And it was actually a great experience. And I think what that does is that adds an element of trust to your listeners so that you're not just bringing on anyone and everyone. You're actually bringing on individuals that have a reason and a market opinion on what you're trying to to ultimately gather from this these types of conversations and that's the importance around those micro influencer brands and and again it, it speaks to the authenticity behind the podcast the posts and so forth I couldn't have said that better myself. I mean, that's so perfect. And at the end of the day, when you are known for that and you've got this very, even though it's a, it seems like you are shrinking the audience, you're, you're not. You're sort of simmering it down to a much more condensed and perfect version of who you really are trying to reach. So at the end of the day, the return on the investment is so much greater because you're really just kind of targeting exactly, you're not wasting your time, right? Totally. And I think that's why you see a lot of companies in the early days focus on a specific niche versus everything and anything. It's very hard to be good at everything as much as you want to be. You have to remain super focused and super tight on what you want to accomplish and then grow from there. Someone gave me great advice once and said, you know, Facebook once upon a time was at a friend and now it's turned into a gaming platform and they could do that because they have the user base that allows them to do that, but they had to find a specific niche that allowed the element of growth to be able to get there. And I think that's, it it tells a very powerful story and, and something that really helps people think through what that looks like when you build out your own brand, whether that be in the legal space or, or myself, you know, from a, a legal tech founder. Yeah, exactly. I tell the story all the time of when I was finishing my MBA and I have all these MBA friends and they're like, why are, and I was one of the few people that was very, very focused on marketing. And they, they were like, why are you focused on lawyers? That seems like such a small, like you could help so many more people. And I'm like, do you know how many lawyers there are? (laughs) There are so many. And I don't want to help everyone. I'm not here to, you know, bring marketing to the entire planet. And this, this kind of thought process was coming from my MBA friends who had just gone through like years of learning about why it's important to narrow down. There's even the smartest people feel, it feels kind of uncertain to kind of reduce your audience and kind of talk to fewer people, even though we all know it's what works the best. Yeah, it's it's more about the overarching footprint. I think a lot of people think about things as what's the mass audience that you can target versus the way that I, I perceive it and perhaps yourself, it's 
what's the total wallet share that you can be a part of within your business? So it doesn't really matter if there's a thousand lawyers that you're targeting, if the wallet share on those lawyers you're taking up and helping support from a standpoint of legal marketing or a different function of their business on legal operations. There's a ton of different you know, nuanced approaches to take when it comes to that. But a lot of people's mental mindset is what's the overarching market size, but they're not getting as granular as what's the overarching wallet size. And I think that's a very, very, very important distinction. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about, we, we want to kind of keep focusing back on positioning and how that leads to better leads and all that. So let's dig into that a little bit. So what's your recommendation on, first of all, how you, you know, we were kind of talking a little bit about narrowing down your, your niche or niche. And I, I never, I've never decided which pronunciation I'm going to go with. So I always use both, but let's talk a little bit more about positioning in relation to leads. Yeah. Positioning is legitimately a productized service in itself. I think that you need to spend so much time and energy and understanding of your market in order to do it right. I, I'm gonna use law broker as an example because when I make you know distinctions and parallels between my business and a law firm or your business and a law firm, we have to remember that law firms themselves are also corporations to some capacity and we wanna think like that. And when I launched the new iteration of law broker, which is this pre-screening software for law firms, I went to and launched at ClioCon, and I know you've had Jack on this podcast before, and I launched at ClioCon, and for me, we had no identity, and I posted a LinkedIn post about this a couple of weeks ago. We went to ClioCon, and we're like, we're a storefront. We build workflows. We help you drive better data. We're a marketing and sales platform, and everyone's like, I don't know what a storefront is. What are you talking about? What does this mean? And Quite frankly, you just can't take offense to it. When you think about market positioning and positioning your brand, your business and so forth, it takes those at-bats to understand that. You are going to strike out with your first 15, 20, 30 conversations. But if you listen and you take that into consideration, it helps actually cultivate what is that brand messaging and personification that you're looking to do and go after. And I would say that it's probably because of the first 30 to 50 conversations that I had, whether that be at ClioCon or thereafter, that it helped us find my goal is if you can't you know, say it in 30 seconds, you have to fix it. And it helped us figure out that our identity is a pre-screening software. And you know, as easy and simple as that sounds, it's hard to find that answer without understanding what the market needs and wants are and how people actually leverage your product. Well, can you imagine how long it took Apple to get to what their taglines are? I mean, it used to be think differently. I don't even know what their taglines are anymore. But imagine how many teams of people they have and how many hours they have ruling out all the wrong answers. And I say this all the time, but part of the underrated ideas of marketing, some of the three biggest ones are patience, consistency, but also knowing when to pivot. And knowing when to look at your all of your data and all of your responses and all of your information and knowing what's the wrong answer and knowing like even just looking at your SEO results and saying, OK, these are not the this is not the right traffic. We don't want to keep focusing on this or like you were describing these this we're getting some feedback from the people we're talking to that is not what we want. And so how do we refine it, rechange, you know, redo our our thought process or our words or our taglines or whatever it is to aim it in the right direction? Yeah. 
No, I, yes, 100%. And I, I completely agree. And back to your sort of initial question here, it's about what I refer to as at-bats. Like you have to spend to understand. And that means that your initial spending when you're trying to find your brand positioning and who your target is and what you go after, listen, at the end of the day, there's always gonna be generalists. There's gonna be firms that focus across a multitude of different practice areas. And to me, that's more of a catch-all. Now, in that regard, you might have some more what we refer to as dead-end consultations or some poor quality leads. And then there's more some diamonds in the rough, but you need systems in place to find the diamonds in the rough so that you can actually focus your attention there. When you go more granular and more niche, as I pronounce it, and more niche in that regard, and you're focusing in one specific domain, perhaps real estate, there's different types of real estate personas that you have to target. Are you targeting the individual consumer? Are you targeting development firms, construction firms, and so forth? And that's a question that you have to find internally from an identity perspective. And there is gonna be noise that ultimately gets traffic driven to you, whether you have invested in SEO because you're blogging or you have backlinks or you're working with someone like yourself, but even in a world of paid per click advertisement campaigns, there's always gonna be someone clicking on your campaigns thinking that it's the right fit for you, but it's your job to navigate that elsewhere or ask the right questions to reposition your next advertisement accordingly. You know, part of the reason we started Law Broker, even initially, we actually started as a marketplace, is we have to remember as law firms that consumers are extremely uneducated from the standpoint of the legal space in general. It's very hard for the consumer to understand what the lawyer wants them to say, how they want them to answer the questions, and what the process of the legal journey actually looks like. So if you're not guiding them through that experience, it's very hard to personify how you actually brand yourself. Right. But it's not the consumer's job to know your process. This is up to you to explain that to them, because that's what they're coming to you for. They're coming to you for that kind of consultation and advice through that entire process. So let's talk about how to do that better then. So, cause I say this all the time where, and it's not even just your SEO marketing, it's any kind of marketing that there's always gonna be a certain amount of what some people call waste, but I call kind of research where you figure out, even if it's going to certain conferences or certain events and you realize, okay, that one was, did not result in, you know, great, great, you know, it didn't result in money in the end of the day, but maybe it got me some good connections or whatever the case might be. But so then the next step is where we're really trying to get to. So you've got some kind of people coming to your side or you've made some connections. How do you ask the right questions to kind of filter, number one, filter them through your process and number two, filter out the bad ones? Yeah, so I mean, that's ultimately what our platform does at Lawbroker, but I'm not suggesting that that's the only way to do it. I, I think there, it, it's about dipping your toes in and finding what works for you. It might start with very low friction questioning and you know you use a, a great platform as like Typeform, right? And Typeform can capture the basic data needed, but if you want more enhanced conversations and actually a legal flow that guides a consumer through more of like a mimicking of a, of a consumer psychology, similar to what they are used to in their everyday you know, shopability, well, those are looking at tools that you can invest in like Lawbroker that standardizes your process. Forget about the platforms and tools that you ultimately need to use. What you actually need to think about is what are the low friction ways to capture the consumer interest when they say virtually raising my hand, I need help. 
that's the most important thing that you need to recognize at your law firm, which is if someone is clicking book a consultation, a CTA, a contact us form, an appointments link on your Google My Business, a messaging button on your Avo profile, a referral from a, from a potential you know friend of yours, these are all moments in time where the consumer has actively said, I need help, support me. And that doesn't mean that it's your job to pick up the phone and answer it. It's actually your job to understand what the consumer problem is so that you can then move one step closer to either retaining or advising that consumer. And you have to take that consultative approach. Okay, so what are some examples of that? Because when you said it doesn't necessarily mean you picking up the phone, because I'm picturing myself in certain kind of buyer kind of consumer buying processes. And if I was going through the process and and I suddenly got a phone call in certain places, like let's say I'm looking at a hotel and all of a sudden I'm on their website and they like called me, I would be so freaked out. I'm like, stop, leave me alone. Like I'm just trying to figure out if I want to stay there. So what are some of the things that they should be doing at that point that are the right answers? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I, there's a, I know you love books and I have to answer one later, but I'm going to answer one now as well. You know, there's an incredible book called Sell the Way You Buy by David Premier. He actually used to be a, a vice president of sales that I used to work for back in the day. And it talks to you about putting yourself in the shoes of that individual consumer because every, no matter who you are, you are a consumer of goods and services. And you have to recognize that you're not doing anything so different just because you're advising on legal goods and services. So when you talk about what is that ultimate process, to me it's taking that someone's hand and walking them through that experience in a virtual setting. So what I mean by that is you can, you know, typically the way that most law firms operate is you jump on a consultation conversation, you ask about 21 questions about their problems and their case, and then what happens is, is traditionally the consumer says, okay, so what's the price? And then they start shopping around. The reason they do that is because you haven't really guided them through anything. You haven't helped support them. So I like to talk to law firms about putting them in the same position but thinking about it a little bit differently. So think about a software that you purchased recently. That could be Clio, that could be you know a competitor to Clio, it doesn't really matter. You've all gone through that sales process. Every single one of those companies picks up the phone and or sends you a fill form that says, share a little bit more about the current challenges and pains and why you're even exploring a tool like this. And the reason that they do that is so that when you pick up the phone eventually with that firm, the reason you say, okay, lock me into a contract I'm in is because they've understood your challenges and pains and then sold against that. And what a lot of law firms don't do is what we refer to as pre-screening, which is right at the top of the funnel. If you're not understanding your clients by capturing data before you pick up the phone, your conversation will always be about price sensitivity. But if you can actually have a relatable experience where you've captured the first 15 minutes that you typically ask through an online format so that when you pick up the phone, it's more about, hey, I'm so sorry that you're going through this challenging time. This happens with all of our clients. This is how we typically explore it and this is our operational processes. Instantaneously, you've actually driven home this conviction and instilled trust within you versus let me ask you about your case and you have that inherent trust right off the get-go, and quite frankly, people buy from people and lawyers are salespeople. So we always recommend 
capturing data before you pick up the phone. However you so choose to pick up that, that or capture that data, it doesn't really matter. It's more about are you capturing that data in a very low friction way that doesn't scare the consumer. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, it gets to the point where, you know, I've gone, I've been doing this long enough that it gets to the point where when you do this right, by the time you get on the call, they're not thinking about shopping it around and the price anymore because now they've decided that you're the right person for them. So it's an entirely different conversation in that sales process versus I'm not really sure who you are, if you're the right person. So I'm just going to go with what I know and that's money. So I'm just going to kind of, you know, give you, assume that all I need to know here is the money. And so that's actually a red flag is if they just keep focusing on the money you're not doing it right. And it's not them, it's you. So what are some of those filters? I know like it's so different from one practice area to the next, but very broadly, what are some of those filters that you recommend people kind of when they're setting up these questionnaires and they're kind of guiding people through that initial, those initial thought processes and trying to get that information, what filters should they put in place? Yeah, it's a, listen, it, it also is very dependent from firm to firm, like you mentioned, but some, initial examples that I'll give is don't disqualify it yourself. Let the client self disqualify themselves. So some of the ways that we try and approach it is let the client be okay not filling out that answer and saying, never mind, this is not a right fit for me. A great example of, you know, first and foremost, like number one question on every single one of our, our law firm flows is what location are you in? Because a law firm can only go in a specific jurisdiction based off their specific you know, bar association and so forth. If someone like myself types in Toronto and the jurisdiction is California, that should be immediately, hey, unfortunately, we're not a fit for you, conditional formatted question, you, know, you should go to your local state bar or law society. That, and it refers to this whole construct of, it's okay if you don't get more leads, it's are you converting the leads that come through? And I think that's the biggest distinction. So putting in qualifiers is really important. Yeah, and it's important for both you and that client because how irritated am I if I'm that potential client and I waste 10 minutes of my life filling out this form and then all of a sudden I realize you're in Toronto and you, do, you can't even help me to begin with. So right from the beginning, it shows me, oh, okay, this is a quality firm. They know what's up. They've got this figured out in a way that is going to not waste my time. It's also not gonna waste your time. And so that kind of leads right into what you were saying before. And I love this idea of more versus better. So we were talking about this before, but everyone has this idea that they just need more, more, more. More money, more clients, more leads, more traffic, more whatever. But it's that's just not the right way to think about this, right? I mean, at the end of the day, what we want are the right leads. And so so let's talk about that for, for a few minutes about how people get so twisted in that in that thought process. Yeah, it depends if you have the affordability and you want to put a lot of pressure on your intake staff. It's right, no, exactly. it's it's, it's a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, truly, it's a mindset shift. It you know a lot of people want more. Again, I always use this reference, but more at bats, right? But that being said, in a world where you do have a billable hour and your firm administrator has more than one job, which is marketing, IT operations, and intake, and something in between like HR, you know you don't have the luxury of letting the high, high noise volume come through to your practice. And when we think through that, you know, 
more doesn't equal better. I think, you know, more just actually drives distraction because what it doesn't do is it doesn't allow you to say, which am I supposed to focus on right now? Whereas if you have qualifiers in place and you can instantaneously one, let the client or the prospective client self disqualify themselves or two, have specific measures in place that it says, if you answered letter A, that's actually disqualified in our firm. What it does is it keeps your eyes focused on where do I spend my time in 30 seconds or less? and you know that time kills deals. So at the end of the day, you wanna keep yourself hyper-focused on the on the moments that matter and the clients that matter. So it's, it's again, more of a, a, a mental mindset shift, which is what is my actuality conversion versus what is the volume that my paid-per-click ads or SEO leads are, are driving. It's very important to switch flip the switch a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we talk about this in terms of marketing campaigns and like looking at SEO and everything, but also just in terms of the client in general. When I look at a client that has the potential, let's just like throw out some random numbers. Let's say a client comes in, they have the potential for like $30,000 of, you know, a, a project. And then some other little client comes in, they're like, well, I just graduated from law school and I can't quite afford all of this, but I feel really, and this is is a, a true story of things that have happened so many times in, in the past where I just feel bad. I'm like, okay, let me, I know I could probably help you, but what ends up happening is you waste time and, and you waste time that should be devoted to those higher end clients. So not only, it's not just like, hey, I'm wasting 10 minutes. It's you're wasting time that really is being pulled from the where you should be focused. And so, you know, we all have finite amount of time. Yeah. And I want to I want to speak to that for a second, because it's a really I, I want to take away what you just said, which is sure it might be a waste of the law firm's time at that moment because that individual isn't your high focus high you know highest opportunity at the time but what we also have to recognize and again this is a secondary shift which is a client's time matters too that individual should go talk to a firm that is able to support them or maybe works on contingency or can you know is more relatable and that's okay like you know you're not a fit for everyone not everyone's a fit to come on this podcast to work with you to work with us etc you have to be okay with that but it's not okay to also waste the prospective client's time but what is okay is suggesting to that client hey I'm going to be upfront and transparent with you because guess what? I bet you in five to 10 years from now, that client might have enough capital to actually work with you. And they're going to remember the experience that you drove, even though they didn't work with you at that moment in time. And that's a really important sort of full cycle event that people don't necessarily attribute to an ROI in the future, right? It's not like that lead came from the internet or a paid per click but it actually came from you driving a holistic experience to that consumer because you didn't waste their time and you told them to go elsewhere. Yeah, and you did that in a succinct, systematic way. And so I have a, a way of doing that. We should all have ways of doing everything we're talking about, kind of positioning, filtering people out and recognizing right away if it's not a good fit, but then also having the follow-up that's appropriate and professional and very well done for every possible scenario. So I do the same thing and I'll regularly, I will say this probably happens, you know, a few times a month and 
I had this whole system and I get the nicest emails where they're like, listen, you know, I can't quite afford you now, but sometime down the road, we're working on it. We'll get there. And it happens all the time. And so, you know, because you're true to yourself, you're true to yourself and you're true to your brand and you don't just discount to discount. That's not someone's job. You know, you shouldn't feel bad to work with someone. There are other people that would take that on and that you have to be okay with that. The one thing I want to bring back there is when you talked about how do you, you know, self-navigate and and walk these consumers through these questions, something that I think is important and something that I think you did well, but we also have to recognize that consumers of legal goods and services, like we've mentioned before, don't necessarily know the answers that you're looking for. So when you talk about low friction ways to capture consumer attention, you have to really put in opportunities that help them. So that could be in the form of drop downs, multiple choice buttons and things that they can recognize versus tell me what's wrong. A consumer doesn't know what's wrong. They don't know what you want them to say. And if you can help guide them through that multiple choice or drop down functionality, it becomes so much low friction and it also helps educate them. It helps them think about what you're looking for so that you can have a more thorough conversation on that next call. Yeah, I know you mentioned the episode with Jack and the one thing he kept bringing up that everyone is looking for is ease. So you just need to make it easy for them to work with you. And there's so many hurdles that people are putting in the way, which makes no sense. Like a lot of times I feel like it comes back to ego stuff. You know, these lawyers want to lead with where they went to law school. They want to tell these clients all about them and they're so smart and I did all of this stuff and I've done all these cases and it's so wrong and it just is totally off-putting and it's it's just kind of like human human decency like this is not how you generally meet people first you want to talk to them you want to let them kind of guide the conversation and and so in the same way your website your marketing all of that needs to do the same thing it needs to meet them where they're at it needs to ask those questions that can pull them through that process and make it easy yeah and it needs to be it needs to be tight it needs to have in 10 seconds or less i know that you're a potentially good fit for me and vice versa if you can do that that's a that's a golden nugget for your firm to drive high conversions yeah okay so give me a couple examples of where kind of a couple questions or intake ideas or that that initial things that where you've seen people do it really wrong really wrong yeah <laughs> I like that. I, mean, I should have warned you. <laughs> no, the good news is, is that you're not making me put anyone on blast. So I don't have to give a, a, well, yeah, an example of an individual. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I think, okay, my overarching statement is I think contact us forms are wrong, specific to the legal space. Again, because it all goes back to what does the consumer know and what don't they know? And when we think about a, con- a contact us form that genuinely says, how can we help you? It's going to say, I need help. That's why I'm here. Like, I I don't know what you want me to say to you. I obviously need an employment lawyer. I just got wrongfully terminated or something like that, or I need a contract review. But how much should I tell you? Should I say the whole storyline? Should I give you a sob story? Are you going to cut me off, you know, similar to like a tweet? These are things that ultimately the consumer is questioning. And again, even though it seems simple, you're actually driving friction because you're making them tell you. You have to, you know, it's the same, it's, it goes back to the whole motion of sales, which is, is you're never gonna pick up the phone with me if I say, I want, you know, I wanna tell you about Law Broker. It's like, no, I, I wanna learn about you and your business and how we can collaborate on marketing, transitioning, and so on and so forth. It's like, that's a cool idea. That will be worth 30 minutes of me spending time with you on. 
a consumer doesn't really know what they're supposed to share. Exactly. Okay. So, so I can't tell you the number of contact forms that we've made that say, how can we help you? So what should that say? It should be in the form of like human first formats or, or what we refer to as workflows. I think, you know, forms are outdated to an extent. It's not something that consumers are willing to move forward with anymore because it's a, it's a blocker. It makes it harder for a consumer to go forward with that conversation. And they're just going to bounce out and find the better modern firm that allows them to find you with ease. It goes back to the whole sentiment of, do you pick up the phone? If no, then I'm calling someone else. Works the same way, right? You have to, you just alluded to it, but you have to meet the consumers where they are. Well, consume, it's 2023. Consumers are used to working in different ways and different mindset shifts than one year ago and seven years ago. And that's not conducive to a traditional contact us form. What it is conducive to is guide me through these flows so that I actually can tell you what is wrong with me. And if you are willing to respond in a more efficient manner because of that and focus on high quality opportunities and tell me instantaneously if it's good for me or not, then that's fantastic. And I think, you know, that's an approach that law firms should start adopt in order to drive high quality. But again, it's going to come at the understanding that it, you're definitely going to see a drop in volume and you have Which to be is okay good. with that. Right, like exactly, because it's just a opinion, bunch. Of, a yes. lot of it is it's garbage. But I'm just gonna dig in real quick to kind of clarify. You mentioned that we use Typeform, and obviously, Lawbroker is similar. So, to to explain what you mean by that, kind of those funnels and that process. So, where you would normally find a contact form on my site, or you know, kind of what you're describing, there is this contact questionnaire. And this is the difference, is it walks you through one question at a time through kind of what looks like what people used to call a wizard, and it goes kind of through through a series of questions. But the way we've set these up, and, I'm, and I know the way Lawbroker works too, is that it's, it's more complicated than just a set of questions. Based on certain answers, they can go A to B, they can, you know, do different things. And then based on, you know, you can then filter things out where it's like, okay, you answer that you're in Toronto, we're done. We're not going to continue the questionnaire because that doesn't make any sense and it's a waste of time. So it's more complex and it recognizes that like you said, we're in 2023. Technology is way farther than a basic contact form that doesn't recognize the question that you answered before this. And so that's where it's at. And I just wanted to clarify that because I don't know that everybody necessarily even recognizes what the difference is in what we're talking about between old-fashioned contact forms. The other point I want to make about old-fashioned contact forms is they are the biggest spam and malware magnets. So where you're most likely going to have problems with your website is through your contact form. So if you're using an old-fashioned one that's garbage, not only is it not working to convert, but it's probably bringing in a bunch of malware and like nastiness too to your website. Thank you for clarifying that. And it's true. And you do a really good job of it. And Typeform's a great catch-all solution to capture that data and to be able to have conditional formatting. The one distinction with us is we're a dedicated landing page. So we keep the client hyper-focused on the specific problem. So because we're specific to legal, we have opportunities to transition our thought processes of how we position our forms or our workflows, as I like to call them. And how we do it is you know, there's multiple categories. So when we talk about taking a customer's hand and guiding them through in an online fashion, 
That's how we think about it. So for example, if we have an employment law case, a consumer says, I have an employment law case, but there's actually a function of services within employment law that you need to help the consumer guide themselves through to say, what actual problem do you have? That's what we do. So we try and take the shopability method of a Shopify e-commerce store where it's like, okay, employment law or a white t-shirt or a t-shirt, right? Which color do you want? There are different SKUs. There are different services that we offer. Tell us which one it is. And based off what you tell us, then we'll populate some conditional formatted questions to you that are relevant to that specific legal service that we offer. And that's sort of how we sort of transition that thought process of those workflows through, through a type form, but in the same domain of human first approach for sure. Yeah, and these are the, this is the kind of process that in the past, it really only could have been done by a person on the phone. And they would kind of go through a checklist and everything. But now here we are, we've got computers, we've got, you know, we've got, you know, different things that can expedite this, this for people online. Okay, so let it is time for the book review. Let's jump in there because I know you've got a good one. So tell us what the book is that you're recommending for the audience today. And I know it kind of ties in all of this good stuff. Yeah, it, obviously, like I'm going to choose something that ties in. This is the only question that you actually let me prepare for and so that I could come with a good answer. But, you know, something that I, I've read long ago and it's called Why Things Catch On. It is a marketing book. And it it's really explores like how people take and produce products and ideas and behaviors and you know why people share and talk about it. And I think when we talk about finding that niche and finding that personalization and finding how you actually build the mode around your brand, it's about how do people ultimately talk about you? And I think the book within Contagious, albeit it's more for consumer branded activities and, and products and services, I think there are a lot of relatable sort of things that law firms themselves can actually take into consideration when thinking about their online brand, their personal brand, and how it makes people catch on to something that they're doing differently, and perhaps have other firms adopt what you're doing because you're actually, you know, spearheading change. Yeah, and it's just, it's so important. And I know this book, this book is on when you kind of Google best marketing books, it's on every list. So this is like a classic, like you said, there might be parts in there that that are pretty broad that kind of appeal more to product-based business or service or whatever, but it's such a classic that it's one of those that really does tie in big picture theories about marketing and positioning and why it matters and how you are talking to the right people and how they want to be talked to so that you know they, that you have this great interaction and then they then go forth and talk about you as well so that's a great one i i love that book and you have to put in the one that i mentioned earlier which is sell the way you buy because it it's so valuable the way that i position this to law firms all the time is think of yourself as an enterprise salesperson and that's what that does because you're dealing with serious problems at high price sort of ticketing ticketed items. And you should think about the way that you're actually conversing with consumers during that period of time. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think for some reason, law firms think of themselves differently, not necessarily always as businesses. But when you think about what that process is, when you go through even just on Amazon, you care about those reviews, you care about what other people are saying, you care about the description that does it have like the dimensions of this thing that I'm buying? Is it going to fit in the space? It, you know, all these things that you are looking for and are important, and they're all in there for a specific reason. Amazon's not adding in, you know, certain details that they don't think are going to drive sales. So when you think about your 
your mental state as you go through those steps, that's the same thing that everyone else is going through when they purchase whatever it is, your services, a shirt, whatever it might be. <laughs> All right, so what is one big takeaway that you'd like people to get from this episode overall? I mean, we talked about a lot of different stuff, positioning, how to kind of you know, really narrow down your funnel to get to the right people, how to set up those contact forms, but what's the big takeaway that you'd, you'd like people to, to grab from that? Yeah, I don't wanna go as granular as setting up a contact form because I, I don't think that's fair. I think, I think that every law firm has their own processes to be completely honest with you, but I, I think, it was actually something you mentioned and you took the words out of my mouth and I think it's important to remember from a, if you could take away one thing, which is you have to meet your consumers where they are. And that doesn't mean meeting them in an online fashion, it means actually building out your law practice in a multitude of different ways. It, it's not just your website, you need to have an extension to your website, you need to ultimately, you know, work with consumers in the way that they want to be worked with if you want to drive traffic that is of high quality and convertible opportunities and i think that's just such an important takeaway in any in any conversation and you have to be constantly evolving i, I think your law firm can't be stagnant it's consistent evolution year over year month over month and take into consideration the feedback of what your customers say so that you can evolve I was just going to add that. I was going to say kind of coming full circle to what we were talking about way in the beginning when you were first starting the company and you were getting not the right feedback, but recognizing that that is super important. It doesn't necessarily mean you're wrong or you're doing everything bad. It just means, okay, that's not the direction. It's, you know, we don't go over there in the, that left angle or whatever. We go over to the right. And so taking all that as valuable data and not like feeling bad about it, realizing, okay, that's still data and it's valuable and that's not the right answer. And so now how do we aim in that other direction and taking that all in in order to, like you said, evolve. I think that's so super important. That's my takeaways. That was fun. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, perfect. All right. Daniel Steinberg is the CEO and co-founder, right? Not just founder, founder. you're the co-founder. Founder yeah. of oh, Law Broker. Oh. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. Um, we will link to all your good stuff, your social media, your website, both of these books that you recommended and everything on the show notes. But thank you so much. I think that was such an awesome conversation. Thank you. That was really great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.